Ephesians chapter 1. Something I want to inspire you with this holiday season. I've had the privilege to, to preach many Christmases and many holidays, and the uh, Lord's blessed. And like I tried to instill upon our hearts this morning, that the Lord will work in your life if you try to bless Him. If you try to be the Lord's blessing, pardon? Oh, yeah, Violet wanted, she wanted to hear the joke, praise the Lord. I forgot that this morning. I was a little off my balance this morning. I'd spent two days in bed with that Montezuma's Revenge. I left Thanksgiving and went to my fa other, my family, my, my son's house. Didn't eat nothing. I felt just, I didn't eat much here, and I just didn't feel real good. And I got there, and I, didn't, I ate even less. And then I went home and had the flu all night. First, I took problems with what came out the top, but then I had problems with everything coming out the bottom and laid in bed for two days with those problems. So I got up this morning, and I feel a lot better. And so I apologize for being a little flaky this morning. <laughs> but the joke I wanted to tell you about, praise the Lord, is there was this old cowboy, and he had this, he was a cowboy preacher. And I got a picture of him hanging in my office on the wall behind Brother uh, Jim. There's a little joke there that a preacher gave me after, <laughs> that a preacher gave me, it's about a, Country preacher being so busy, he's got no time to do anything. You can read it. It's a comic that he had framed and put up on the wall there. But it's about a country preacher, uh, and he's an old Texan, and he rides around on a preaching circuit. And he taught his horse to, uh, to uh, jump forward to start so nobody could steal it, nobody could take it. He could leave it anywhere he wanted. The horse would only take off when he said, uh, praise the Lord. And he'd only stop when he'd say, amen. So he could point his horse to the next town and say, you know, say, praise the Lord, and go to sleep, wake up. And the horse would walk right by the town unless he said, amen. Then the horse would come to a dead stop. Well, the preacher didn't live forever. He, he eventually died, but his horse lived. And they sold his horse at auction, and it went for a good price. It was a nice horse. An old cowboy bought it that seldom went to church in his life. But he rode that horse, and he tried to ride that horse. He got on it and pointed it the way he wanted it to go, and he could not get that horse to go anywhere. He couldn't get it to go forwards. He couldn't get it to go backwards, sideways. He couldn't get it to do anything. Finally, he took the gun out of his pocket and pointed it in the air and shot it. And everybody knows you can, get, you can only shoot off a horse once, and that horse took off at a dead run. Well, he's trying to finally stop it because he lived just outside the Grand Canyon there, and he's coming up on the edge of that canyon, and he's coming up on the edge of that canyon, and that horse is going a mile a minute and just going faster and faster, and he's, he's trying everything to stop it, pulling on the reins, hitting it in the ears, ready to shoot it with the gun again, but it dropped off when he hollered. When he shot the first time, the horse took off so fast he dropped his gun, couldn't get it to stop horse is headed right up to the edge of the Grand Canyon. And the horse is coming closer and closer. And he gets to the edge of the Grand Canyon. And he, he's there. It's inevitable. He's going to 
run right off the end of it. The horse is crazy. He's local. And the guy goes, Lord, please help me. Amen. And the horse just skids right to a stop, and at the very edge of his feet, we're right over the edge of the canyon like this. Just like that. And the guy looks up, wipes the sweat off his brow, and goes, Praise the Lord! Would have been a good joke this morning. <laughs> That's my praise the Lord joke. You'll, you'll enjoy it. It's, it's kind of special. We're in Revelations chapter 1, the first three verses. The boys asked me how long your message is going to be tonight. I said, not too long. I've wasted as much time as I could already, but I wanted it to be short and sweet. I don't know what else the Holy Spirit's going to have me say today, but I want to say one thing, one thing in particular, in addition to what I said this morning. And this morning, I wanted to encourage everyone to praise the Lord. This evening... I want to encourage everyone how to. And the best way to know how to praise the Lord is found in one of the best ways is everywhere in the book. But one of the best ways, the most in obvious ways, is in Revelations chapter 1, the first three verses. There is a key to how to praise the Lord in these first three verses. There is an answer to all your problems in these first three verses. Just take a look at it. Revelation, the revelation of Jesus. What, what do you mean this is all about the end times and prophecy? Yeah. You want to understand what God wants out of your life? It's right here. Revelations 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants these things which, things which might shortly come to pass. I like that word shortly. There's a little note in my Bible says it can be translated quickly. Either way, it's not a long time. We're in that shortly time right now. We're in that shortly time. Which must shortly come to pass. And he sent a significant and he sent and signified it by his angels unto his servant's jo servant John. See John was on the island of Patmos. And he was sentenced there in prison by the Romans for being a Christian, for being a Christian preacher. He was at odds with his government, and he got sent there and, ex, and ex left there. Eventually, the prison uh, fell when the Roman Empire fell, and there's all kinds of stories on how it was finally evacuated, most of it just as... People got enough nerve to go see what was going on there. They uh, left with whoever they wanted to. Uh, the, the guards were gone. Everybody's gone. And he's left there alone. How would you be like to be left alone in a prison? Uh, if you could, you're always left alone in a prison to some degree, but he was left there, period. <sighs> Who bear record of the word of God? See, John... I told you he was Christ's half-brother, and he was a witness of, to Jesus Christ. He was a Baptist preacher, or Pentecostal preacher, or an Assembly of God preacher, or you name it, he was a biblical preacher. To what degree? Depends on what denomination. And the testimony of Jesus Christ. But he was he bare record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things that he saw. 
He was a testimony of Jesus Christ in all things that he saw. I just explained to you a couple things I've seen in the prisons, some miracles I've seen there. I've seen miracles take place in Catholic churches. I've seen miracles take place in little bitty churches all around this country. I've seen miracles take place in big churches. I'm thinking of a miracle now of tongues where I was in a great big church, 5,000 plus in daily or daily and average membership numbers. They'd baptize sometimes on special Sundays, half that many, 2,000. I was there once, and well, I was on staff there for a time at one church similar to it, and I baptized two, 300 in a, in a single afternoon. People coming to Christ in tent meetings in inner cities of, what was that, uh, Dallas, Texas. Yeah, you can see miracles happen all the time. Because of the testimony of Jesus Christ, we've seen those things happen. Uh, let's go on. Blessed is he that readeth, and here's the point. First thing I'm underlining is blessed is he that readeth. I underlined readeth. The first step in pleasing God and praising God and finding your destiny in life and the circum overcoming any circumstance in your life is to read God's word. You read God's word or ingest God's word because sometimes we have people that can't read it, but they can listen because the next thing it's going to tell you, what's the next thing it tells you to do? The first thing you need to do of your three-point formula is to read God's word. The next thing you need to do is you'll praise God once you read his word. Reading his word praises him and hear the words. It's one thing to read something. You know, you've been a... I talk to people that race through the Bible. Oh, I've read it through five times. I still don't understand it. Well, did you read it? Did you hear it? Hearing is a way of saying understand, endeavor to understand, endeavor to act upon. When you hear something, didn't you hear me, son? I told you not to fall asleep. Anna, you're next. No, he wasn't sleeping either. Uh, God wants you to not only read his word, but to act upon it. Then he knows you've heard it. First thing in changing your life, first step in accomplishing anything with God, first step in accomplishing anything spiritual in your life hinges on you reading God's word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. Hear God's word is act upon it. Act upon it. Read God's word. Hear God's word. What's the next thing it says? What's the next thing? Ingest it. Try to understand it to the best of your ability. I admire our Sunday school teacher. He reads God's word. He tries to understand it. He tries to help everyone else understand it. I do the same thing. Every one of you that has an opportunity at this pulpit has done the same thing. Whether you've told a congregation or your children, whether you've witnessed to others, you're reading God's word, you're hearing God's word. What's the last part of the prophecy? And keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. 
I've established one thing. We're in those shortened times. This world ain't getting any better. I remember hearing preachers tell me that every New Year's since I was born, as soon as I could hear. I'm so old, why not? No, I won't go into those stories. And you need to, it's, it is. I says, oh, it's not so bad. Look at you now. The economy's doing great. Carter isn't the Antichrist. Hitler wasn't the Antichrist. Uh, well, I'm telling you, neither's Biden. But we're in those end times a little further than we were. When I started out 60-some uh, years ago, times are shortened. How are you going to get through them? Read God's word. Hear God's word. Be obedient to God's word. It's the only way through it. Believe me, there's a lot of things in life I don't enjoy doing. One of them spending Sunday afternoon writing a sermon. Another one's spending Sunday afternoon picking up dog poop in the parking lot. Another thing is spending Sunday morning polishing my boots. There's a lot of things I don't enjoy about being a Christian, but I'm commanded to do them in the position I've taken as a Christian, in the obedient walk I've tried to take with God. Every one of us has those same circumstances in our life. Maybe you don't want to get baptized. I baptized a kid once that was so afraid of water. He was so fearful of water, he defecated the pool when he went in it. Those of you know what that fancy word means. Scared the poo-poo out of him. We had another gal we baptized, took my wife and another lady, her sister, to hold her hand because her last sister was killed by her boyfriend in the bathtub. She did not want to get baptized. But I'll tell you what, it was a blessing to God, was a blessing to my wife, was a blessing to me, was a blessing to about 30 other kids that knew the story to watch her fearfully crawl down into that water and get baptized. There's a hundred people to that one that are afraid to join a church. Various reasons. I like the big excuse, oh, I don't want to join a church because so-and-so goes to that church and they're nothing but a hypocrite. I says, you know, pretty big town we're living in, but I bet you they use the same grocery store you do. I bet you they go to the county fair when you go to it. I bet you they, uh, they go over to the flower shop or flower shop and buy flowers on Valentine's Day, same place you do. Do you stop going to them because they're hypocrites? No, the devil wants you not to join the church. The next step is, of course, reading God's word and, of course, being obedient to God's word. Where are you stocking up? I just tried to get a couple simple things. Maybe he's calling you to do something even more drastic. Maybe he wants you to be the best next missionary to Vietnam. I don't know what he's doing in your life. I don't know where he's going in his life, in this life, but we're in the end times. It's getting short out there. Things are getting closer together. It takes more and more work to be a Christian. And you're not going to be much of one. You're not going to be very successful in your own life till you become obedient to what God wants you to do. That obedience is reading God's word, hearing God's word, and doing God's word. That's what I've been trying to preach for the last six, eight weeks. It's just do God's word the best you can. He understands, but that's no excuse. You need to be obedient. 
You need to practice. You need to praise. And oh, I just can't get this done. I don't know why he doesn't hear my prayers. Well, start out with plan A. What are you doing? Reading, hearing, practicing. Which one are you? Where are you at? When you get the one thing he's telling you to do, then he'll give you more information. Back to the old joke about the preacher, you know, that's standing on the, in the pulpit. And he comes in candidates. I think I told this one here at least once about the preacher comes in candidates at a church, and he gives them a message. It's a beautiful message. Everybody likes the message. And they go, boy, let's get him. We've got him. We can vote him in. He's in. He's it. Next week he comes up. Yep, he's the preacher. Gives the same message. Well, you know, he's nervous first way. He might have stuck to that one, his sugar cane, you know, or his sugar message and all that. Then he uh, comes the next week, same message. And the guys get together and they go, man, there's something wrong here. We got to talk to him. Doesn't he know anything else? So finally one of the deacons comes up and asks him, trustee, whatever you want, elder, says, <coughs> You've been preaching the same message all three times. What's going on? He says, when you get the first one right, we'll move on to the next one. That's what God does with us. He wasn't going to give you any more until you've worked out what he's given you that you're supposed to do back there. If he does, it's ought to pure, the little sign, grace. And we're living on a lot of grace already. But if you want power, victory, Prominence, battles won. You're going to have to start yielding on some of those smaller details or he's not going to give you anything else to do. I read God's word and I just don't see where I fit in there. We'll start with what you know. Well, Mark Twain said, and I like that one too, he says, it's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts of the Bible I understand that bother me. Each one of us has given a certain amount of grace, or in faith, I should say. We're all given a lot of grace, but we're each given a certain amount of faith. And we're to build upon that faith through God's Word. And as we build upon that faith, we're more advantageous for God. We're not just a sheep. We become a tool that he can use. We become an instrument of his grace, an instrument of his power, an instrument of his victory. How would you like to be the next president of the United States? I'll tell you, everyone in this room has the same chance. <laughs> but if you really want to, you're going to have to go by faith and be obedient to God. And if he wants you to be the next president of the United States, Mrs. McDonald, McCoy, he will make you the next president of the United States if he wants you to. I can say, say that because I don't think you want to, but the Lord can do that. The Lord could do it if you yield to him. If you read his word, there it is. Blessed is he. You want to be blessed? Start blessing God. He that readeth and he that heareth the words of this prophecy and keepeth the things which are written therein. 
Oh, he's just talking about Revelations. No, he's talking about Genesis to Revelations. He's not going to give you much revelation. The, the portion of revelation you're going to get from God is based on how much you practice from here to here. That's how much real revelation you're going to get from God, is how much you practice what you've learned from here to here. Again, why should he give you any more? You ain't done what he's showed you already. So if you want to know what the book of Revelation is about, and we have a wonderful man trying to teach it, and he's doing a good job, don't get me wrong. You need to get into God's book. If you want to know what your future is about, what God wants you to do, what he wants you to be when you grow up, where he wants you to go, who he wants you to marry, what he wants you to do the rest of your life, get into that book. Oh, but I'm grown already. I've made some decisions. Okay, if you want to know where he wants you to go, where he wants you to be, what he wants you to do, get into that book. Read his book, hear his book, and obey the precepts and the commands therein.